This episode is sponsored by Peak Sales Recruiting. If you're trying to find your next top performer and you know you're just wasting time digging through bad resumes, then visit peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian to learn how they can help. Hey, it's Ian Altman. Our guest today is Melissa Agnes, author of Crisis Ready, Building an Invincible Brand in an Uncertain World. Melissa is an expert and leading authority when it comes to crisis preparedness, reputation management, and brand protection. We're going to talk about the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to being prepared for a crisis, the timing and accuracy associated with handling a crisis, and then the specific steps on what you can do to make sure that your brand is invincible. There's a lot of great insight here from Melissa Agnes. Melissa Agnes, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell our audience something surprising about you that they may not know. Surprising about me. I am bilingual, English and French. English and French. I was wondering if it was going to be like English and Swahili. Hmm, that would be more interesting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so your expertise in your new book, Crisis Ready, talks about this idea of how people can prepare and be – invincible, resilient when it comes to crisis situations. So before we get into what people should be doing, what's the biggest mistake that you see people making when it comes to crisis situations? There's two biggest mistakes. I think they're pretty well equal. One is internal and one is external. And they they actually go hand in hand. But the first one is that employees are often an afterthought. So organizations, when faced with whether it's a viral issue or a full-blown crisis, you think about communicating with customers, you think about dealing with investors or the board of directors. Employees tend to be an afterthought, which is a huge mistake because that's your team that needs to be given directives and know what to say and what to do and and how to respond when they're approached um, and asked about the incident. And the second thing is that organizations in this day and age often take far too long to communicate. And the crisis response penalty as a result of that can be devastating on the brand. It's funny you talk about that in terms of the employees as an afterthought, because I very often see that in an organization where all of a sudden, you know, a company has like a major service disruption and they communicate to their shareholders and they communicate to their customers. And usually to your point, they don't do it fast enough. And it's almost like 90 days later, someone says, oh, you know, we should probably say something to the employees. <laughs> and it's like the thing is gone. You know, the people who are going to leave the company because of it have already left. People have all this uncertainty. And it seems like, you know, months later, it's like, oh, yeah, we should probably tell the, you know, hundreds of people working for us what happened also. It's it's the most common frustration across the board, organization to organization, internal frustration, which usually comes from directors of HR, but it's, it is constant. And I've even seen organizations that uh, have serious, serious high risk. So, you know, their high risk scenarios are terrorist attacks or an active, you know, shooter on their sites. And, I had a client that called me to help them become crisis ready because they had an, a potential active shooter scenario and they forgot to communicate with their 33,000 um, volunteers 
who were on the grounds and all of, you know, customers and everybody who was on the grounds in that situation, they just didn't have any information. And when they would go to the volunteers or to the employees to get information, they were just as clueless as everybody else. So it's a common phenomenon. And it's one that is often, it's overlooked until it's too late, unfortunately. So the big ones are that internally people kind of have the employees as an afterthought and externally they take too long to communicate. So what's the rule of thumb for how long? Because let's face it, in the political world, when something happens and a politician responds, if they respond quickly, people say, oh, well, so-and-so just gave a knee-jerk reaction to this without having all the facts. And of course, mm -hmm. if they wait to get the facts, they say, I can't believe so-and-so didn't respond sooner. Um, what could they possibly have been collecting? So is there a rule of thumb? Yes. And it, it, you're right. It's such a double-edged sword. And it is extremely difficult these days to balance timeliness and accuracy. Um, so there's there's definitely a rule of thumb or a couple. Um, I call them crisis-ready rules. One of them is that you should aim to communicate within 15 to 60 minutes from the time the incident garners an online presence. So that's not from the time you become aware that something has happened. It's not from the time, um, you know, basically when it happens, it's going to have an online presence in this day and age. So 15 to 60 minutes. Now, that doesn't mean that people expect you to have all of the answers. So this is where that accuracy versus timeliness comes in. You don't have to have all of the answers within 15 to 60 minutes. What people want to know is that you're aware, that you care what you're doing about it. And it's not just, you know, we are doing X, but we are doing X, Y, Z about it. Be as specific as possible in your process. What's happening behind the scenes that nobody else can see. So if they can't see it, it doesn't exist. So make sure they know that it exists. And then you let them know as soon as we have more information, which we estimate will be by, you know, this time or this time tomorrow or within the next 24 hours, we are dedicated to keeping you updated. So you can follow us here or you can go here. And as soon as those facts come in, we will be publishing them or we will be coming out with another statement. That is that if you can do that within 15 to 60 minutes from a viral issue or a full-blown crisis occurring, you're getting ahead of the story, you're taking control of the narrative, and you're showing the people who matter most to your business that you care about them and the incident and that you are going to be dedicated to keeping them informed and they don't have to go to a third party that is not you for that information. Yeah. It's, and one of the things that, that I've often heard is like, if you're not proactively providing the information, someone else is. And yes. so if you want to control it and you want to make sure people are getting it from you, then you have to share it. It's interesting. Um, our daughter attends Tulane university which Tulane University was devastated a number of years ago because of a hurricane. And so anytime there's a weather condition anywhere in New Orleans, they are so proactive in their communication that it just gives you a tremendous comfort. So they will say, for example, well, there's a storm in the region that is a day away. And the forecasts say that it's probably not going to hit us, and we're probably just going to get some rain. Here are the things that would change our reaction. Here's Here are the steps that we're putting in place right now just in case. And here's when you can expect to hear communication from us again. 
And as parents of, of a freshman in college, our thought is, you know, they are so ahead of this that we're not even worried. Like if this storm hits, they're three steps ahead of it. We're fine. Even though the school was shut down for a year because they weren't prepared in the past. They learned their lesson. So that level, it sounds like in many respects, much of this idea of being crisis ready is about being proactive and almost seeking out what could happen and over communicating. I would never say over communicating because there really is that fine balance. Um, so it's about the right amount of communication, but so yes, it's about being proactive, being crisis ready. When you are crisis ready, you really do have an invincible brand because you have identified and assessed what, you know, the most likely types of high impact, high risk scenarios are for your organization. And you've put your team in a position, and I mean your entire team from department to department, from region to region, where they understand what risk looks like, how to quickly assess it, its impact on the brand or on the organization, and how to make smart decisions quickly to get ahead of it, to respond to it appropriately. Maybe that response is internally escalating it to leadership. Maybe it's you know coming out with some kind of proactive response right at the onset that nips it in the bud because they are empowered and trained to do so. I don't know if you um, if you saw, presumably you did this incident in Hawaii where you know not too long ago in Hawaii they sent out notification that there was an inbound missile strike coming and people should seek cover. And then they found out that, oh, yeah, it was actually a false alarm, but it took, you know, I don't know, a half hour until they said, oh, yeah, false alarm. The interesting thing was that they held a press conference shortly after all this happened. And the administrator of the overall program, the first thing he did was he said, look, this is my fault. This is my responsibility. Everything that happens in this unit is mine, and we messed up. And we're reviewing right now all of our procedures to make sure a mistake like this doesn't happen again. But, you know, I'm ultimately responsible for it all. Yeah, he took accountability. And, And I think by doing that, he probably diffused something that would have been a much bigger story. But you tell me. He did. And what it shows is you know, just prioritization of the right things. And when somebody is strong enough and when a leader is strong enough to come out and say, this is my fault, I'm sorry. And here's what we're doing to make sure this never happens again, because it was unacceptable. How can you, you do diffuse because for the majority of us, if we were infuriated, well, now what do you say to that? You say, okay, good. It shouldn't happen again, but he's already said that it was unacceptable and here's what they're doing. It did come out later that uh, one of the reasons that it took so long was because they couldn't, he, I think it was him or somebody who was responsible for it, couldn't access their Twitter account or their, their social media accounts. So that, you know, even just that <laughs> there was, and you laugh and it's funny, kind of, sort of, not really, but it's, it's, a, it's a risk within a risk. So it created just that simple effect of not being able to log in created a time delay. And I talked earlier about, you know, the crisis response penalty, the time delay is important and it's significant. And if it took 30 minutes to let the panicked community know that it was a false alarm, it was a mistake. It's not real. There is no missile headed towards us. 
that 30 minutes is enormous. So if you, if you, if they could have shaved off, you know, 15 minutes or 10 minutes to that by being able to access the accounts, that's part of that whole crisis ready mindset where you're saying, okay, in the event of this, and the bigger question to answer that is, or to answer, you know, that entire kind of prevent that entire type of situation from occurring is knowing who you need to speak to, who you need to communicate with in the event of one of those highly likely high impact scenarios striking your organization. And are you equipped to do that in real time? If you answer, you know, we need to communicate in this scenario with our community, our community is going to go to social media to find answers to, you know, their questions. Are we equipped with getting onto social media very quickly? You know, like you can take this process, this kind of audit and answer those questions and mitigate that little issue that created a bigger issue within the issue, <laughs> if that makes sense. This is a great segue because what I really love is to help our audience understand, okay, so a crisis could be anything. And, you know, it could be something major on social media. It could be something that affects your reputation. It, it could just be, look, a key employee just left and how do we communicate that? Without losing trust, yes. Without losing trust. So what are the steps that people should follow? What's some of the wisdom that, that you have in Crisis Ready that will help people kind of prepare for whatever comes their way? Great question. Um, the very first thing is to understand what a crisis is for your organization, because a crisis for one organization is not necessarily a crisis for another organization. And a negative event that goes viral does not mean it's a crisis. There's a difference between an issue and a crisis. So defining that for your organization and gaining clarity around those definitions and what that means to your brand, to your organization, so that you don't miscategorize a negative event and either overreact or underreact, which both, you know, can just escalate the situation unnecessarily. Um, that's a really, that's the first place to start. If making a bad sales hire isn't an option and you're tired of sorting through resumes from unqualified applicants, then speak with the folks at Peak Sales Recruiting. They're not like generic recruiters. They find the right talent you need to drive sales in your unique environment. Your only challenge will be deciding which candidate to hire because you'll probably want to hire them all. Visit PeakSalesRecruiting.com slash Ian to learn more. So how should somebody evaluate whether something is an issue or a crisis? There is a – so there's a difference between the two, and it comes with a definition. I'll say it very slowly because it's hard to, to hear it and understand it. It's more of a visual thing. But a crisis is a negative event or situation where business as usual stops to some extent for leadership. It stops because it needs leadership's directive and decision-making. And the reason that it needs – leadership to stop and to pay attention is because the negative event or situation threatens long-term negative impact on one or all of the following five things. People, so the organization stakeholders, whether it's internal or external or both, business operations, reputation, environment, and bottom line. So a negative event or situation that threatens long-term impact on people, business operations, reputation, environment, or bottom line. 
versus an issue is also a negative event or situation, but the difference is that it doesn't threaten that long-term negative impact on any one of those five business attributes. Therefore, it is... Um, it doesn't require leadership. It doesn't require necessarily escalation all the way up to leadership and for them to stop their business as usual to pay attention. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know what? It makes perfect sense. In fact, we were talking We were talking before we got on the air about recently I had um, my car just, you know, there was, there was something happened where it stopped working. And so I get to the service center and it's a, it's a Tesla. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there talking to them and they said, well, I mean, you seem pretty calm. And I said, well, yeah, you know what? I called you guys for roadside assistance. You diagnosed the problem remotely. You had someone there in 40 minutes. You brought me here. You told me you're going to have a loner. Nobody died. Nobody is terminally ill. Um, no one got hurt. It was an inconvenience for a couple hours. But in the grand scheme of things, you guys are taking care of it. It's not costing me anything. And a week from now, I want to remember this happened. So that's fine. Now, similarly... A um a buddy of mine had something that's probably a little bit more long term in that he had just had a new car delivered and they called him up and said, Oh, by the way, the detailing company wrecked the car. Now, to their credit, they said, Look, you know, he he, he hit the car and we're not even planning to try and repair it for you. We're just ordering you a new car. And so that's a classic situation of a company who probably avoided a crisis to their brand by just immediately saying, and yeah, we're not going to try and repair it for you. You ordered a new car. We need to deliver a new car. And that's what we're going to do. But it's interesting because to me, I had an issue. It wasn't a crisis. His may not have been a crisis for him, but probably was for the company if they didn't handle it right. It wouldn't have been, this is where it gets a little complicated, but it wouldn't have been a crisis for Tesla as a whole because it wouldn't have garnered so much attention that it threatened real significant material impact on one of or one or all five of those of those attributes I mentioned. However, issue management is essential for building an invincible brand because when it's so this was an issue for Tesla, it was also an unfortunate issue for your friend. And the way that they respond to that impacts his or her sentiment towards the brand. And one thing that we learned, you know, with United Breaks Guitar, Dave Carroll's um, famous music videos is that no no one customer or no one person should be seen as statistically insignificant. And if we approach issue management like that, so first of all, to my point earlier where you have to understand the difference between an issue and a crisis and what it means for your brand, knowing right off the, set, off the bat that this is an issue and that having a team that's empowered to say, okay, this is an issue, but it's a significant issue with with emotional attachment um, in some regard to our customer, how can we manage this issue in a way that when he leaves or when he finally gets his, his car, he actually has more of a positive sentiment towards our brand than he did prior to the incident occurring. That's when you start being really crisis ready, even though it's not a crisis. And that's when you start building a truly invincible brand. So the, the first piece you said what people should do is understand the crisis, understand the difference between an issue and a crisis. What's next? The next thing is to take both of those categories of events, so issue and crisis, and to say in each one of those categories, what are the most likely 
high risk, high impact types of scenarios that we are the most prone to, that are the most likely types of incidents to strike our organization, both in issue and in crisis. Because if you are going to be invincible, then you cannot have be blindsided or you need to mitigate the risk of being blindsided as much as possible. You also need to prevent the preventable because if you don't prevent the preventable, there's no excuse for people aren't going to forgive that. You know, when things happen, you want to know that the organization did everything that they could to prevent it. And then we understand that certain things are out of our scope and circumstance. So we can't prevent everything but then you focus on being prepared for the unpreventable. It's interesting in the sales world. Oftentimes I'll talk to people and they say, Oh, you know, so almost, you know, at least half the time we talk to clients, they raise this one issue and I say, okay, so it happens more than half the time. Yeah. So what's your plan to deal with it when it comes up and people look at me like I'm crazy. And I said, well, so if you're telling me this happens more than half the time you meet with clients, <laughs> then what's your plan for addressing it? Because it comes up all the time. In fact, I would argue if it happens that often that you should bring it up proactively before the client ever does. In a positive way. Yeah. You know, for example, if someone says, oh, well, you know, we're always more expensive than everybody else and it becomes this big issue and people complain that we're more expensive then guess what? When you talk to people, say, look, so one of the things I just want to be upfront about is that we're never the least expensive. And our clients tell us that they value all these additional things that we do that make it seem like a bargain to deal with us. But is that going to be something that's a deal killer for you? Beautiful. And the client will go, no, it's fine. And then you're done. But if you wait for it to come up, then you seem like you're tap dancing around the issue. So that level of being a proactive is really important. So we want to make sure that we understand issue versus crisis for each one. Then we want to go through the most likely scenarios and make sure that we're preventing the preventable. What else? So preventing the preventable is really important. And then you're left with the unpreventable and you're left with your most likely types of incidents to occur. These aren't, you know, random things that maybe will happen in the next 10 years. It's they're the most likely types of incidents that you will have to deal with for the business with the business. It's always about crisis management is about people. On it, you know, above people, above process, above bottom line, when it comes down to it, if the people that matter most to your business stopped mattering to your business or stopped caring about your business, your business would cease to operate successfully. So when we understand what our most likely types of risks are, we can then take a look at who are the stakeholder groups, the people that matter most to the business, and what will they expect of our organization in the event of something negative occurring. And this kind of goes to the whole issue that we were talking about um, that happened in Hawaii, where it's, you know, just as an example, this is, this was a foreseeable risk. It was a risk that could have been predicted. And then if you look at that and say, okay, then who matters most in those scenarios and what will they expect of us? the community matters most or our customers matter most or our investors or our employees or our board of directors or our vendors. And then we can say in the event of scenario A, crisis scenario A, what will our customers expect of our organization? Are we aligned with meeting those expectations? How can we empower our employees to be in a position to understand what those expectations will be because we can anticipate them now? And then how can we help our employees be in a position to meet the expectations, if not exceed them in real time. And it that goes to everything from means of communication to actions that need to happen to 
key concerns and questions that matter to those people that you could think through and potentially start to at least draft preliminary um, statements towards or responses towards or key message points towards so that in the event of a whirlwind incident happening and it's going viral and everybody's infuriated against your brand or it's just garnering unwanted attention, you have that leg up and you can say, ah, we know exactly what they expect. We're in a position to meet those expectations. We have this pre-drafted. Let's just finalize it. We have our, our processes in place. Let's get that out to our employees because we're not going to overlook them. And away we go with meeting our stakeholders' expectations and continuing to strengthen the relationships that we share, that we value, rather than having them depreciate. I love it. I love it. It's, it's funny. I often share with people in my prior business, we did a lot of work with large insurance companies. And large companies across industries, but insurance companies most notably. And I remember we had this kickoff at a major insurance company in Chicago. And so all the stakeholders were in this room. And if it was a big enough project, I would show up at the kickoff meeting. So there were like 26 people in the room, in this massive boardroom in this company. So, you know, whatever, a Fortune 100 company. So I started the meeting and I said, well, you know, we really appreciate the, the trust that you've put in us by a show of hands, how many of you have ever been involved in a perfect project where nothing, nothing that even raised a concern happened during the entire project. And of course no one raised their hand. And I said, yeah, me neither. So the first thing I want to talk about is the specific steps we're going to take together when we think something's gone sideways. And we had this little laminated card we held out that said, look, so if you think something's going on first, do this, then do this, and if you don't get a resolution on either of those two, then call Ian's mobile number, and we'll go through it. And then we laid out step four, here's the response time we'll give you on that, and here's the next steps we'll follow. So we kind of laid out five steps to, to how it went. And I just remember about two months into the project, I get a phone call from this guy who says, so uh, it doesn't look like anything's working, and I went through step one, and I went through step two, and step three said to call you, and now I'm calling. <laughs> right? And I said, okay, well, I appreciate you did. And what does it say for step four? Step four says you'll get back to us within two hours. I said, that's correct. We will definitely get back to you within two hours. Now, internally, our process was we would get back to them in less than an hour. But we told them two hours. That way we could – if something – if we had a snag, we're still going to be within two hours. And, of course, we got back to them, and they had found out, and by that time, so had we, that their own internal people had messed something up. And um, and I just said, oh, well, you know, our team is on it, and we'll get it resolved. And he said, well, my understanding is it's our people that messed it up. And I said, well, it really doesn't matter. The bottom line is things aren't working, and together we're going to get it fixed. And they used to refer a ton of business to us, and their comment was, yeah, well, they, they anticipated stuff that would happen even before it did. And then when it was our fault, they took responsibility for it. And it sounds funny, but it was just we knew that things were going to go wrong, so we planned for it. And then when it went wrong, no one got excited because, oh, yeah, they said something like this could happen. And, oh, here are the steps to follow, which sounds like you know, it may have been an early precursor to crisis ready. We just didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> which is you know, you, the whole goal with crisis ready for me is – it's really cultural. It's not about today having a plan that sits on a shelf collecting dust that, you know, is stagnant and outdated basically by the time you just put it on the shelf. Instead, it's having a, like I said earlier, a, a team, 
throughout the entire organization that understands what risk looks like, understands how to assess it, and understands what to do with it in the heat of the moment, in real time. And having those processes in place that you just described, I mean, that's beautiful. That's perfect. And as a result, everybody knew what to do. Everybody knew how to react and how not to overreact or that it wasn't necessary to overreact. And as a result of all of that, you ended up over-delivering and building even more trust and credibility with your client, which is the ultimate goal, even when things go wrong. So well done. And I think this applies in sales situations. Anything that you know is likely to come up, you should be in a position to deal with it. And my frustration is when people say, oh, this happens all the time, but they don't do anything about it. That's your own darn fault. But if you actually are proactive and you say, well, when the client says this, here's the way we're going to respond to it, then you already know. And if you say this always comes up, so here's the way we're going to proactively address it even before it comes up, then you're just one step smarter than everybody else. You are. Yes. So Melissa, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, to learn more about you? Obviously, we're going to have in the show notes, we're going to have a link to crisis writing where people can buy the book because it's the kind of thing that I envision companies will have everyone in their organization read so that it builds that culture. Yes, it was designed for that. So smart organizations will hopefully do that. <laughs> um, MelissaAgnes.com is a great place to just find anything that you need about me or about Crisis Ready or um, how you can make your organization crisis ready. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Now people have no excuse to not be crisis ready. And I'm sure we'll have uh, – it would be great is for people when you get the book, just you know, post on Twitter or on social media a picture of you with the book and tag Melissa and tag me. And we'll join in the conversation. And this way, when you have questions about it as you're reading it, you got someone to talk to. Yes, please. I will answer everybody. So that just thanks, Ian. That makes me extremely happy just thinking about people doing that. Awesome. All right, Melissa. Thanks again. Thanks to you, Ian. There's so much great information that Melissa shared. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, Remember when you have a crisis, not to forget your employees. They could be as concerned, if not more, than the outside world. You want to make sure that as soon as there's an online presence, within 60 minutes, that you're responding to that and being proactive about it. It's all about expectation management. And then when you encounter something you think is a crisis, make sure that you first know the difference between an issue and a crisis. Think about the most likely scenarios so you can prevent the preventable and then make sure that you're managing your stakeholder expectations on those things that are unpreventable. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you want me to cover, if there's a guest you think I should have on the show, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.